So we're in a series right now about vision. I believe God has destined us to be in this series. He's led us into this series on purpose. And as we go through a time and a season in our world where there's just change and chaos and darkness, you know, Jesus, the Word of God's very clear that when uh, darkness like shows up, how many of you know the light shines brighter in the dark places, right? Arise and shine for your light has come. Amen? And we're talking about being the light. When it comes to vision, when it comes to, this is exactly the message that needs to happen. Because God's solution to darkness is always to light it up with his church. You are the light of the world. Do you understand this? The city on the hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp to hide it under a tree or under a basket. So God didn't light your fire so that you would hide in times of darkness. God lit the flame on the inside of you so in seasons and times like this, that flame would burn brighter. And so I want you to lean in today to the vision that God's speaking to. Don't sit there and pass it off saying, well, I shouldn't be thinking about these things because there's all this chaos going on. We should be focused on this. You do the next thing that Jesus tells you to do. And if he's speaking to you about a vision right now, that vision is meant for right now. It's not meant for later. Don't think it's selfish and don't think it distraction from what the world needs that God has told you to start a business right now, that God has told you to write a book right now, that God has told you to go plant a church right now, that God has put some dream in your heart right now. You might sit there and think, but right now the world's in such disarray. How could I be thinking about what I want to do right now? Because it's not about what you want to do. It's a desire that God has put in your heart. And you may not know why it fits in this season, but it does fit in this season right now. And it's time for you to lay hold of that in the middle of this season right now. He lit your fire to glow bright right now. Somebody celebrate that and say amen. Amen, 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 and amen. The wisdom of God supersedes our own wisdom. And this is the message you are meant to hear right now. The visions that God has put inside of you is about the next one, two, three, four, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years that, that the kingdom of God is about to do. And so it's important. God He's on the throne. He's directing our steps. He's speaking to you right now. This idea, this conversation of vision is so important. So today, we want to talk to you about mind games. Mind games that limit us and that stop us from what God is speaking to us. Because God can give you a dream. God can give you plans. God can give you unctions in the spirit to say, start this, begin this. Things start kind of, you know, marinating in your spirit. You start writing the vision down, things like that. But then the battlefield many times is right up here. There are questions, there's lies that the devil will throw your way. There's other people that will throw thoughts in your path. And your own fears and your own anxiety and your own sense of limitation will come up. And it'll beat against that vision. And so today I want to talk to you about overcoming the mind games that are trying to prevent you from creating the vision God has spoken to you about. Can you go with me on that today? Is that okay? Overcoming mind games today? How many of you are with me ready for the word? Come on. You excited? Your hearts are ready? Let's do this. Open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to go right into the scripture today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me start off with verse 3. We are humans, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning to destroy false arguments. 
We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from the knowledge of God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. The Bible tells us in this passage of Scripture that we have the capacity to take thoughts captive. Amen? I love how the New Living says it because it talks about knocking down strongholds of human reasonings. That's what we're talking about today. There's mind games, there's strongholds, opposition to new ideas, opposition to God ideas in this generation, in, this, in every generation, in every culture. There's always been someone that has a reason of why that God idea isn't for them or isn't for this time or for this period or, or you shouldn't be thinking that way. You're proud for having that idea. You're being selfish for having that idea. And there's all kinds of strongholds and high things and human reasonings that kind of come out. I love that we have the power, I love this, to destroy those false arguments. Destroy those proud obstacles that keep people from knowing God. We capture, I love this, rebellious thoughts. Now, I praise God that the Apostle Paul, in talking about this, talking about battling and contending with those individuals that would challenge the gospel, their ideas, their lies, uh, their bias against the gospel. But you know, you have the ability through the Scripture and through God's Spirit helping you to take your own thoughts captive as well. Because when you speak the truth to their thoughts, to their arguments, it silences their arguments against the knowledge of Christ. But when you speak the truth to those same arguments in your own head, the truth silences those arguments in your life as well. We have the ability and the responsibility to take thoughts captive and make them obedient to what Christ is trying to do in our lives. That's a responsibility that we have. And I want you to know that not every thought that enters your head is from God. Come on now. Just because you think it, just because you feel it, doesn't make it from God. My pastor growing up used to say that you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Sometimes you have to let a thought just go right on through. Amen? And you need to be able to identify a God thought, and you need to identify a a self-thought, flesh thought, a fear thought, a devil thought, someone else's thought, and you need to know what to do with those thoughts. Are you hearing me? Matthew chapter 22, verse 29. Jesus said this. This is just such a powerful truth. Actually, the Lord spoke this to me years ago, that this is one of the main truths the word of, that the children of God need to remember. Jesus answered and said to them, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. The simple little statement of Jesus. But so many errors in our life, so many errors in what we believe, so many errors in what we do, what we expect, come from these two errors. One, not knowing the Scripture, or two, not knowing the power of God. So when the devil comes in and tells you that that's impossible, what does the Word of God say about that? And what is God's ability added to your ability? Would that make it possible? Absolutely. Are you hearing this? Even when it comes to people who get off the rails in pride, they, they, they start to do something for God and they get off the rails in pride, what happened? They forgot the word and they forgot God's power. I, I see this as almost the train tracks of our lives. One, knowing the word of God, and two, knowing the power of God to be faithful to produce his word. It keeps us on the straight and narrow. It keeps us moving forward. The devil tries to push you off track, but the promise of God keeps you anchored. But not only the promise, understanding the power of God to produce the promise keeps you anchored. This is why this Calvary Equips thing is such a big deal to us. 
Please don't see it as just a little midweek Sunday school, Bible study, something, something. This is Calvary's arm to develop you in the Word of God. That Word is your foundation. You do err because you don't know the Word enough. Or you don't know the power of God that comes from that Word or how to engage in that power. And these courses are meant to develop you line upon line, precept upon precept, so that you can become the fullness of what God has destined for your life. If you don't know it belongs to you, the devil will steal it from you. You need to know the Word of God for yourself. Not having to call up someone that knows the Bible every time you're in crisis. You do err because you don't know the Word of God. Because you don't know the power of God that's available to you in your situation, in whatever it is you're going through. Amen. Amen. And so I believe in this Calvary Equips Wednesday night thing. Please get involved in it. Go to the bottom of the staircase at the end, sign up or do it online. You and I need, always need, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need the Word of God to constantly wash us, cleanse us, help us think God thoughts, believe God ways. Amen. We are a Word of God church. And so by taking thoughts captive, the ability to take those rebellious thoughts, I love that a rebellious thought is a thought that gets out of alignment. It's a thought that kind of takes on its own personality. And we have the ability to say, no, you come back into agreement with the Word. You come on back. That thought that says something contrary to what God has been talking to you, it's getting rebellious. Your brain is getting rebellious. And you say, no, you're coming back into agreement with what the Word of God says and what the power of God has promised and will produce. Are you hearing this? Amen. Mind games. Your mind will run amok. I don't even know how to spell that word, amok. But your mind will run amok. Your brain will say all kinds of crazy things, make up every excuse. The devil will throw excuses that'll sound like your own words. It'll sound like you, but it's not you. It's him trying to get you to believe a lie. And what do you do? You take them captive, but how do you know they're wrong if you don't know the right thought? You do err because you don't know the Word. Amen. And you don't know the Word simply because we've not spent enough time in that Word. It's not because the Word isn't available to us. It's not because it's too complicated to understand. I rebuke that lie off of you right now. Some people say, oh, I've read the Bible, I don't understand it, I'm not capable. That's for these other people. That's a lie. You can. The Holy Spirit promises to teach you and guide you into all truth. So pick that Bible back up. I've got a lot to share with you today, but if this is the one thing we get, if you don't get involved in that word daily, get involved in that word. This is not religion I'm talking about. I'm not talking about reading your Bible to make God loves you, love you. God loves you because of Jesus, because he set his love on you. He loves you already. You're not reading your Bible to make God love you. Love, to make God love you, you read your Bible and you begin to learn how much God loves you. And you begin to learn what's available to you because God loves you. And you begin to learn that the devil had, can't, doesn't stand a chance against you because of the amount of love God has for you. And when the devil tells you you've sinned and God doesn't want you anymore and you run away from church because you've sinned, you do err because you don't know the word. And you ran away from the very one that loves you and wants to pick you up out of that sin. You err. You run away because you don't know him. Are you hearing me? 
but how will I know if I have a rebellious thought, a thought that runs amok, if I don't know the truth? The world lies to you, the news media lies to you, the culture lies to you, tells you to believe this, this is what's going to make you happy, this is what's going to make you famous. And if you don't have the truth, you begin to err. You begin to believe what they say. You begin to buy into things that we have to come into agreement with the way the culture says life's supposed to happen or what's right. No, I come into agreement to a truth that is unchanging, to a truth that is anchored in God who designed this universe, who designed us. He knows the truth. He sets the bar. He sets the a straight line and everything will be measured to that. Amen. But we have to take thoughts captive. And so today I want to talk to you about taking some of those thoughts captive. All right. Here we go. Some of the mind games. Number one, let me just, I'm just going to do a list of mind games. I just started jotting down mind games that I felt in my spirit were going to be addressed today. There's plenty more, but I'm going to give you just a handful of mind games. Number one mind game I want to talk about today is that the vision and dream that God has put in your heart is selfish or proud. That's a mind game. God has spoken to you about starting a business, a company. I kind of touched on it when I walked up because my heart was full of it. I just feel in my heart that some of you right now, you're tempted to believe that that desire is earthly, is fleshly, that the idea of you um, being able to be in ministry, whether it's through song or through sport or through media or through business, that somehow in this culture where people are trying to like push down success and kind of make people feel bad for succeeding, I'm here to tell you, God wants you to succeed and to grow and to build the kingdom and to be successful now in this season. There may be people that don't like it. There may be people that accuse you of pride and arrogance, but God has put it in your heart. He's put it in your heart for this time, for this season. You were born for such a time as this. Don't wait for the world to come into agreement when it's a good time for you to prosper, or a good time for you to set out on the journey, or to start something. Amen. I just needed to come against that. It's not pride. This thing comes from God. If God has put it in your heart, then it's come from God, it's not pride. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16, through 16. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. There is a need for you to shine and succeed in the dark times. There is a need for you to develop things that prosper in the middle of chaos. Amen. Someone is going to prosper and do stuff in the middle of this time period. It needs to be the church. It needs to be the body of Christ. There's too many times we come out of recessions and we come out of famines and we come out of difficult times and the only people that prosper were people that are going to do wicked things with their money. And they're going to promote wickedness. People fill the vacuum. They fill the void. And I'm here to tell you, in dark times, God lights his light. He lights the lamp. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, 28 through 29. This is why... Each and every one of you and all the dreams and visions need to happen. Why it's not personal ambition, it's not selfish, it's not pride, because all those dreams in your heart somehow are linked to preaching Christ. Listen to me now. If you are building a business, connect the dots. You ever play connect the dots as a kid growing up? 
like on a, on, a, on a menu. They used to have really cool menus when I was a kid where you would have like fun games. Now I don't know what they do with kids anymore. I don't, I don't see the cool connect the dots like I used to, but connect the dots where you'd start and as you connected this dot to this dot to this dot, a picture would unfold, right? And it was so fun. It kept us busy for hours. We didn't have phones and iPods back then. We had crayons, crayons. <laughs> and we turned out awesome. Thank you. But we need to connect the dots here. Listen, if God has talked to you about being an entertainer, being a business person, something about vision, make sure you connect the dots. It has to come to pass because somewhere in it, it's pointing people to Christ. You can have a restaurant and still let that restaurant somehow proclaim Jesus. You can have a mechanic shop or a garage, and somehow that shop can point people to Jesus. Are you hearing me? Don't think the vision is just so you prosper. It's a platform God has given you to put you in front of people that need Jesus. Are you hearing me? But there's people that won't maybe come to church right away, but they'll come work for you in your garage, and you'll bring them to Jesus. Are you hearing me? You need to connect the dots. Him we preach, Colossians chapter 1, 28 through 29. Him we preach. We don't preach ourselves. We don't preach our brand. We don't preach, we don't preach our own talent and ability. Everything we do somehow preaches him. Now that doesn't mean everything that comes out of your mouth is Jesus, 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 Jesus. But everything you do reflects and gives glory and points people to Jesus. Are you hearing me? Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor. Do you hear the, the passion in that? The drive in that? We put effort and labor and intensity and sweat and energy into these things because it's linked to Jesus. There are people that, that give their life to their business, give their life to their job, only to build wealth unto themselves, and at the end of life, it perishes. If you're going to put so much time and energy and effort into a career, into building a platform, into building a business, don't you think it would be wise to link it to Christ so that what you put that energy into lasts for eternity? Amen. That just makes sense. Amen. Then it doesn't burn up at the end. It lasts forever. And then we'll have another conversation about living a balanced life and making sure you have time for your family and for refreshment, but that's another conversation for another day. All of our vision will somehow preach Christ. Number two, mind game. So the first mind game was by you having ambition, somehow you're selfish, not if it comes to pointing the people to Jesus. Amen? Number two, sometimes the mind game is this. The vision must be full-sized before we begin. The vision must be full size. Basically, it's like this. I'm not going to do anything until I can do it all. I'm not going to do anything unless I can guarantee that it's going to be completely successful. I'm going to start once the opportunity is big enough. There's so many places in Scripture that God starts someone on the vision in something very small that doesn't look like it's the size of the vision God told them about. I remember a story where I was offering a gentleman a job to help me plan a church, but it wasn't a full-size church. It wasn't a full-size opportunity. It wasn't a full-size salary. It wasn't a full-size. And he was like, no, 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 I'm just going to wait. That's not, that's not what God promised me. 
And uh, my heart broke because what I saw in it was God's promise going to be fulfilled, but he had to take that step. But the vision wasn't full size yet. And so he wasn't willing to take the step until the vision or the offer or opportunity was full size. God speaks to you the end from the beginning. But then you have to obey him in the next step, and sometimes the next step is a small step towards a greater end. But if you're going to bypass and say no to all the opportunities God's giving you because it's not a big enough stage, it's not a big enough platform, not a big enough paycheck, not a big enough opportunity, it's not the full vision of what God said, be careful, my friend. Make sure you pray about each and every one of those opportunities. Because too many people, I think, have missed God's vision for their life because they're waiting for the fullness of the vision before they do anything towards the vision. Are you understanding this? Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Don't despise small opportunities, getting your foot in the door. Are you hearing me? Getting started. Some people won't get started until the offer is good enough. Are you hearing me? Until somehow they, it's like all of a sudden they go from God giving them a promise so they want the full platform, the whole thing that God had talked about. And I'm telling you, vision doesn't always work that way. Do not despise small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Luke chapter 6 verse 10, 16, sorry, Luke 16 verse 10. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large ones. If you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So many times God will test you with smaller assignments as you're learning the skills and building the character to sustain the larger opportunities that he's promised you. Get started. Get started. Amen. Let me give you an example from the Old Testament. Elisha. Anybody know who Elisha is? Raise your hand if you know who Elisha is. Raise your hand if you know who Elijah is. Awesome. Elijah was a really awesome prophet, right? Calls fire down out of heaven. Like, this is big deal stuff. Raises the first person from the dead in Scripture. Pretty serious stuff. Stops up the rain. I mean, from raining? Yeah. Awesome stuff. Elisha started his prophetic ministry by working for Elijah. And there's this little obscure scripture in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11, talking about Elisha. Let me just read it to you and I'll explain it. But Jehoshaphat, that's one of the kings, said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. So what's the revelation there, Pastor Kevin? I'm so glad you asked, right? So Elijah finds Elisha and puts his mantle on Elisha's back. And basically is telling him, you're going to replace me as the prophet. But then this little scripture gives us a window into what happened and what Elisha did next. He became a personal assistant to Elijah. 
And notice how he was described. The one who used to pour water on Elijah's hands. Does that sound like a very important job to you? Does that sound like a very large platform of influence to you? Are you hearing this? What if Elisha would have said, awesome, I see the vision. I am going to replace Elijah one day. He's calling fire down. He's stopping up the sky. Elijah says, come on, come work for me. Come get started in this vision. And he's like, he gets there and Elijah is like, here's your water pot. Here's your towel. When my hands are dirty, wash them. (laughs) And here's Elisha like, excuse me. Do you know who I am? I have been prophesied that I will replace you. I am the next man of God. I am going to do twice as many miracles as you. I am so good. You have no idea how anointed I am. (laughs) Get back to me when you're ready to give me a real job, Elijah. When you're ready to trust me like God obviously trusts me. Are you hearing me? But the beginning of the vision, the beginning of the path that would place him in the position that he was called to, it didn't look full size. It was humbling. It was serving. It was easily passed by where no one knew what he was doing. Does anyone see all the work I'm doing for Elijah? Nobody cared because that was just his job in the shadows. But having been faithful with little, God could trust him with much. Having been faithful with that, God could trust him with that. It's just the way the kingdom works. Are you hearing me? But we get these mind games. And we never get started on the vision because it's not, the opportunity doesn't look like the promise, doesn't look big enough. And I'm trying to help you identify the beginning of the process. Amen. That was good preaching. I know, right? It's like so good. Another mind game. Another mind game. I am too old. All this vision talk is for these young people. My friends, God, if he's speaking to you about it, he knows how old you are. He was there when you were formed in your mother's womb. He didn't lose 20 years of your life going, oh my gosh, I did not know they were retired. I had no idea. I, I, sorry I believed so much in what I could do through your life. You know, I'm sorry. If God is speaking to you, and let me say this, if your heart is open, God will speak to you. It's when you shut the door, when you put the limitation and say, I'm too old, So what God told me to remind you of is go later on today or tomorrow and go look up Exodus chapter 3. For the sake of time, I don't have time to read it to you, but I can tell it to you. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses is 80 years old. And God meets him in a burning bush. And he says, go free my people Israel. Now what I was supposed to remind you about about this story is this. There was 40 years, almost like a 40-year gap, 
Moses thought he was supposed to fulfill that vision when he was 40. Maybe you thought your prime time or your, your most effective time was when you were 40 or whenever. And then there's this like 40-year gap on the backside of a desert, tending sheep. Do you know it's easy to feel forgotten in that moment? It's easy to feel like that vision that God spoke to you when you were 40, it was, must, you must have missed it. It's never going to come to pass or whatever. How many mind games at 80 years old, after 40 years of not doing anything but watching someone else's sheep, that God taps them on the shoulder and says, time, it's time. Are you hearing this? I felt this in particular passage of Scripture very strong for this house and very strong for you watching on the Internet right now. That you're not done yet. And that whatever you thought God was going to do in your 40s, and maybe you're not in your 40s anymore, don't limit God who's talking to you right now about it. He knows who he's talking to. He knows who he's talking to. And he knows his mind. He knows his wisdom. He knows his strategy. He knows why he's talking to you now. Amen. Maybe the people you were meant to go to weren't ready yet. It has nothing to do with your age. God is still speaking to you. He's not finished with you. And here's the thing. If you go back and read that scripture, it says, as Moses turned to see that sight, or he took a step towards that sight, it says the Lord spoke to him. As you take a step towards what it is God's talking to you about, he's going to continue to speak to you. Moses had to take that step towards what God was saying. Amen? I'm too old. That's a mind game. Take it captive. It's a rebellious thought. It's getting out of alignment. Bring it back into alignment with Scripture. Amen? Your spirit is eternal. Just because your body is getting older doesn't mean that your spirit... Your understanding isn't youthful and strong. and There's no age limit on your, on your spirit, right? There's no expiration date on your spirit, man. So I'm too old to mind game, but here's another mind game. I'm too young. Isn't that funny? Some are like, I'm too old, and then others are, I'm too young. Are you ever at a place where you're like, I am just right? There's very few people I've ever met that are like, I am just right. There's always an excuse. There's always a reason. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too rich. I'm too poor. I'm too bald. I'm too hairy. It's like you're, you're never just right. Come on. Excuses, strongholds, rebellious thoughts, things that keep you from doing. It's not the right time. It's not the right season. It's not a big enough assignment. It's too small of an assignment. Are you hearing me? All Smoke screens to keep you from doing anything that God is putting in your heart to do. Excuses. That's what they're called. That's the Greek word, excuses. That was a joke. Not a good one, but it was a joke. I'm too young. Some of the greatest people God chose and began to speak to, he spoke to them when they were just kids. The prophet Samuel There was whole generations of missing prophets. There hadn't been a 
prophetic voice for hundreds of years, and God brought a prophetic unction to a young boy who didn't even know what God's voice sounded like, who was never raised in that atmosphere, but God just interrupted his sleep in the middle of the night and said, Samuel. No one taught him how to hear God's voice. He just started hearing it. And God made him a major player to shift and bring Israel back to a prophetic voice. Samuel. It's in the book of Samuel. If you want to read it. David was another one. We love David. But David was called when he was tending sheep. Just a boy with ruddy complexion. Not that that's effective right now. It doesn't matter in this conversation, but I just want you to know he had a ruddy complexion. Ruddy. Thank you, Jeff. Ruddy. Ruddy. He was just a boy when God called him from the sheep to be king. Are you hearing that? I'm too young. But he wasn't too young to start his journey of growth towards being a king. He wasn't too young to take on a giant when all the men of the city were afraid of the giant. Even the king was afraid of the giant. Stop saying you're too young. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Paul even tells Timothy, he says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. Start now. Don't say, well, no one's going to listen to me. I'm too young. If God gives you something to say, start saying it. God gives you something to do, you start doing it. I encourage you to start. I encourage you to start. And take the opportunity to be a servant. Take the opportunity to begin, like we talked about, pouring water on the hands of someone. Don't wait for the fullness of the vision. Do the next thing God puts in front of you to do. Next mind game. I've disqualified myself. I blew it. God could have used me when I was living better. I, I, I made a mistake. I, my, my marriage didn't work out. Um, I lost that job. I, I, I was exposed in some sort of sin or some sort of trouble or whatever. I've disqualified myself. Well, first, let's remember that we've never qualified ourselves in the first place. Okay, let's just remember that little gem. If you ever thought you were qualified based on your good works, you've missed the gospel because your righteousness is still as filthy rags. Are you hearing this? Sometimes we get a little too comfortable with how pure we are and how great we are and how holy we are and all these things. It's like we outgrow the need of a Savior. You will never outgrow the need of a Savior. You will never outgrow the need of the grace of God. And sometimes one of the greatest testimonies we can have is being imperfect leaders that run to God rather than... Now, I'm not talking about hiding your sin. I'm not talking about saying, I'm a leader and I'm imperfect and I'm hiding. I'm saying you run to Jesus. You run to the cross and you confess yourself before God and you, you lay it out before God. We are all going to have moments where we blow it. We're all going to have moments where we do it wrong. And God still uses us. And so the story I was told to share with you to combat that mind game was in Luke um, chapter 22, verses 54 through 62, where Peter literally denies the Lord publicly. Peter, the rock. Peter, the one that Jesus was going to give so much leadership to build the early church. And he builds him up, and 
Peter denies the Lord, not just once. He denies him three times in the same night. Do you know what that would feel like? Sometimes we read those things and we don't put ourselves in there. Like Peter had been with Jesus for three years. He'd seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. He's seen him provide for 10 and 15 and 20,000 in miracles. He saw Jesus walking on water. He just saw Jesus like pick up a kid's ear and put it back on the side of his head like just a few minutes ago. And in this moment, they're like, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? He's like, no. Nope. You got the wrong guy. And then just like Jesus gave him, it's like the, the God gave him another opportunity to correct that. And someone else says, aren't you one? And he could have said, okay, yeah, you're right, you got me. But no, he denied it a second time. And so then there's a third opportunity. And he denied Jesus again. And Peter easily could have been like, I'm disqualified. I blew it. But interestingly enough, if you, if you rewind that story a bit, you'll actually know that Jesus told Peter he knew he was going to deny him. And he said to Peter, I've already prayed for you so that when you deny me, you don't quit. When you deny me, you don't let the lies of the devil that tell you that I don't want you, that tell you that everything I promised you, I didn't realize who I was getting when I promised it to you. Do you know when God makes you a promise, he already knows you more than you know yourself? Your failure doesn't surprise him. He knew it was there. So he already made provision for it if you'll run to him. Are you receiving this? It's not like God is saying, I didn't know that they were going to do that or they were capable of that. He already knew about Peter's denial, and he said, I've already prayed for you, because the, 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 the part of the equation that Jesus didn't control was Peter's free will. So would Peter receive grace and get back on track, or would he let himself be driven with such guilt that he would end up like Judas and kill himself or something like that? But Jesus is like, I've already prayed for you. You have, I'm not denying that maybe you've done some stuff that needs repentance and that needs to be taken to Jesus. But I am telling you this, that whatever Jesus already spoke to you about and prophesied and spoke into your life, he's not caught off guard by your sin and mistake. So come get it worked out and let him make something beautiful out of that. And let him make that part of your testimony, part of your story. Are you hearing that? So I rebuke that rebellious thought that says you've disqualified yourself. God can't use you or do what he said he was going to do in your life. Why don't you go ahead and stand? You may know that on the Calvary Orlando app, my notes are on there. The last three, four weeks I've preached, I only get through about half of them. Um, you're always welcome to go look at the rest because I just like to do whatever God says and then I'm done. And so there's a lot more information you can look up in your Bible study later this week. But I think we've landed there for today. Are you okay with that? Is that right? I would have taken you into the book of Numbers a little later because there's some mind games there to where the children of Israel saw themselves as grasshoppers and let the giants dictate to them what they were capable of. Again, it's all mind games, people. It's all the devil putting thoughts in you that aren't really there. Take them captive. Make them obedient to Christ. 
Learn the word. You do error because you don't know the word or you don't know God's power. Let's get ourselves back on track. Let's know the truth and let the truth make you free. Let me pray this into your heart today. I'm going to pray against mind games. Is that okay? Put your, if, you, if, you, if you struggle with mind games or things, go ahead and put your, head on your uh, hands on your head, and we're going to pray God to give you some deliverance today over their mind games, over those mind games. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we just begin to pray for soundness of mind. Right now, God, we believe that if you, you have been speaking ideas, thoughts, witty inventions, new beginnings to things. You're bringing up old callings and old assignments that we thought were dormant, we thought were long gone, but like Moses, we're not too old. You're bringing those things back for such a time as this. And so God, any lie, any attack, any, any weapon of the enemy that would try to come in and discourage or dissuade or limit what we would say yes to or believing you for the fullness of what you've spoken. God, I just break those thoughts down. We take those thoughts captive in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that faith begins to replace where fear used to reside. God, right now I begin to pray a washing of the water of the word of God. Lord, as guilt or condemnation has kept some of your leaders captive to something of their past. Lord, I pray right now that they would confess, they would allow you, Jesus, to put your blood on that on that sin, on that moment, and that it would be completely washed away, and that, God, they would walk out of here no longer in shame, no longer in condemnation, but walk out of here rejoicing at the goodness and the grace of God. Lord, I pray for those who, who are being called as young people in this room. Lord, we saw young people up here with the human video. You're doing a mighty move on our children in our middle school and our high school and our college. God, I thank you that they are not too young to get started on the call and the plan of God for their life. Time and time again, you called them when they were young and you put their feet on those paths. And so God, I pray they don't wait until someday, but they start doing what you've called them to do. Lord, I thank you that this is the best time to begin. This is the time the lights need to shine that we don't wait for another time, a better time. God, we begin to do what you have told us to do. And Lord, I ask that you help us connect the dots, that Lord, everything that we begin to put our hand to would point people to Jesus Christ, him we preach. And God, we thank you that these things bring glory and honor to your name alone. We give you praise in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, would you just celebrate that today? Just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I want to pray with you to give your hearts to Jesus if you've not done that yet. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That means everyone needs a Savior. The Bible goes on to say that the wages or penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And God even gives us the how. The Bible goes on to say all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today we want to give you an opportunity to call on Jesus Christ. If you don't remember a time in your life that you said, Jesus Christ, be my Lord and Savior, then we're going to do that right now together. Or you say, you know what, I've, I had a relationship with the Lord, but I've walked away, and I'd like to have a fresh start, a restart with Jesus. Then we're going to pray for you. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to have you bow your heads, close your eyes just for a moment. And on the count of three, if you say, that's me, Pastor Kevin, I need to give my life to Jesus for the first time, or I want to recommit my life to Jesus. When I count to three, just raise your hand. Are you ready? It's easy. 
I'm going to say one, two, three, and when I do, you're just going to put your hand up and we're going to pray for you right at your seat. Ready? One, two, three. Would you put your hand up? I need to get right with God. Pop your hand up wherever you are and we'll pray for you today right at your seat. There's one hand in the center. I see that. Thank you. Second hand in the center. Awesome. Anyone else today? I need to get right with Jesus. Third hand in the back. Awesome. Wonderful. Anyone else? There is no reason to leave this place unsure or out of relationship. Anyone else today? Another hand? Four? Thank you. Four? Anyone else? Anybody else? All right, everyone. Would you pray this simple prayer with us? If you're online and you need to get your life right with the Lord, would you pray this prayer with us as well? Repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those four? <laughs> Praise God. Welcome home. Yeah, I love that. Woo! Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.